the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. I want you to understand something in principle here. It says, when they had scattered. Make sure you recognize that in this moment, we are the church gathered. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect. With Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want you to understand today that it's very likely that God is calling you in this moment to step out of your comfort zone, to stretch you for your good and for his glory. His call may be unfamiliar. It may seem untimely. And it may even be unclear. I think of this call of Philip and I hearken back to the call of Abram. Remember what God did when he called Abraham? He said, I want you to go to the land that what? I will show you. In other words, God's call doesn't always even give us a definite understanding of what he's up to. But God wants us to follow his direction even when we don't know the destination. What is God calling you to do today? When God speaks, we only have two decisions. Remember what they are. Trust and obey. So Philip answered God's call. In fact, in verse 26, when the messenger, the angel of God spoke, it says he arise and went. When the spirit of God calls him just a few verses later, what does it say he did? He ran. I want to have that simple obedience. I want to run after the will of God. I want to hasten to the chariot as he did. So you have to ask, what was God up to? What was God doing in the moment? What could take place as a result of that simple obedience? Well, don't miss the point here. Philip's obedience impacted eternity. When we trust and obey, eternity is impacted. Do you understand that today? Your willingness to follow those simple commands, trust and obey, may impact the eternity of someone else in your little corner of the world. In fact, God was using Philip to begin to fulfill the Great Commission. What was the Great Commission? Well, we learned about it in Acts chapter 1. Remember what it says. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The revival started out in Jerusalem. That's where Peter stood up and preached. People from all over the world came to Christ. 3,000 were saved, and the Lord began to add to the church daily. We had just learned in this chapter that the disciples had been in Samaria. But guess where Ethiopia was in this scale? It was considered the ends of the earth. 
Now, God had done something interesting. He had brought this Ethiopian eunuch from the ends of the earth to Jerusalem. But because he was a eunuch, he wasn't allowed to go into the temple. He wasn't allowed to worship. So even though he was concerned about his faith journey, he was still clueless. He had not trusted Christ. He was reading the scripture. He was wanting to worship. But he himself had not trusted Jesus. God would use Philip to help fulfill the Great Commission. Could God be using you for that same purpose today? Anybody that knows me, if we talk about our church and they say, what's your favorite thing about our church? I don't even have to voice it anymore. They'll just say it's the diversity. It's the fact that now on any Sunday when we gather, there are as many as 64 nations that are gathered worshiping with us. Isn't it amazing? I don't know if you understand this, but growing up in a small town in South Carolina, I would have never guessed that God would allow me to be a part of a church where he's brought the ends of the earth to us. How's God asking you to help fulfill his great commission? Some of you just need to pray a little more than you're doing. You just need to take on the habit that we have in our church staff. Every day at 10.02, we gather and pray Luke 10.2. You know what Luke 10.2 says? It says to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. So every day at 10.02 a.m., whoever's there in the office gathers and we pray that prayer. And it goes something like this. God, we pray that you'll send people. And any day that I'm here, our staff could tell you that I pray, God, if it be your will, start with my children. We pray that God would send people from this church for his glory to the nations. And then we pray that God would send people to us to help reach the nations because he sent the nations to us. And even as I look out in this service, I see the answer to some of those prayers where God has assembled committed saints to come in and help us accomplish the vision he's given. So some of you just need to join us and pray a little more about the Great Commission. Some of you just need to be obedient and make that a part of your giving process. You need to understand that your giving makes a difference in the scope of eternity. Several weeks ago, I had a chance to gather with our Southern Baptist Convention. I'm Southern Baptist by choice. We're not a perfect denomination, but there there are two things that I love about who we are. In general, we have a core set of beliefs that is deeply and theologically biblical. It makes sense. And so when I unite with others around those beliefs, I I feel encouraged. But probably most importantly, I'm a part of our denomination because of what we do together on mission. We have thousands of missionaries that are on the field today just because of people like you that just give to regular offerings. And so as a part of that meeting, gathering together, the best thing we observed was what's called the sending celebration where, where 26 couples and some single adults We're being sent to the nations by you. And I'm just telling you, I feel like the Lord of God began to speak to me that day about something. It sounds kind of crazy, but I'm going to throw it out to you for the first time today. Next year, our Southern Baptist Convention is in Orlando, Florida. It's only about an hour away. And I thought, how could that revolutionize our church if, if a lot of the folks who sit in the seats in our church would see one of those sending celebrations and see that because they give, others get to go and give their lives to reaching the nations. 
So first, I want you to just plan next June to join me in Orlando for that incredible service. I promise you'll walk away different. But secondly, I thought, God, what if our little church, what if if we over the next 12 months can just say on top of our regular giving, even on top of what we do through Unified Missions, we want to give $100,000 just to go to support those missionaries, just to support our International Mission Board missionaries. That sounds like a lot of money when you talk about it on one day, but when you talk about it in 12 months from a few thousand people, that can... That can pretty easily be done. Some of you just need to give more to be a part of what God's doing. Some of you need to go. Next Sunday, we'll celebrate a team that's being sent out to Ecuador. We have teams going from our church all the time. Some of you in retirement or in in the youthfulness of your life, you need to just surrender and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I want you to think about this. When God asks you to do something, it's usually because he's about to intersect your life with someone who needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that means that when we don't, when we don't trust and obey, eternity is also impacted. Next month, we're going to, Spend our whole month focusing around this theme. It's a phrase you've heard us say again and again over the last two months. Who's your one? We want you to be thinking about who is the one person in in your little corner of the world that God wants you praying for that you would ask God to give you the opportunity to just tell your story to sometime over that period of time. Well, what happened as a result of Philip's obedience? He trusted and he obeyed. What happened? You heard me read it. It was a divine appointment. I like to think of it this way. Philip was ready. The Ethiopian was willing. And God was able. Ready, willing, and able. That's the formula. What's your part? You just have to be ready, Christ follower. You just have to be willing to do what scripture says you should do, which is always be ready to give a defense of your faith. Now, last week you heard in a very clear and simple way from Pastor Gary how you could have a testimony for Christ. All you've got to do is talk about how your life was before Christ, what happened when you met Christ, and then what's happened as a result of your relationship with Christ. You either have a testimony or you need to be one who hears somebody else's testimony. See, you either are a missionary or you're a mission field. There's no such thing as a Christ follower who doesn't share what they have. So all you have to do is be ready. There are people around you who are willing, and our God is always able. And when we do that, we find out that God will save people for his glory. Now, what does it take for someone to be saved? Who do they have to know? (laughs) You should have got that one right. So in verse 35, Philip is telling him the good news of who? Of Jesus. That's all it's about. I told you our church is made up of all these diverse groups of people. That is exactly opposite of how they told me to build a church in seminary. In seminary, they taught us in class, if you want to have a church that grows, then you've got to understand this principle. Birds of a feather flock together. And there's a sense that that's true, right? It's easier that way. And all, no offense, all across Tampa Bay, you'll find churches like that that are targeted niche groups. There are people that look like one another that are at the same walk of life. And it is a little easier 
when you are, are doing things that way. For us, it's a little more like herding cats. We come from different backgrounds and we have different tastes and different cultures and, and different likes and different preferences. But it causes us to remember that what unites us is Jesus. We, we remember that what we learned that first week in the book of Acts, that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing that we really do have to put the gospel above everything else. That's what Philip did. Just talked to him about Jesus. And his life was changed. Well, Philip was obedient. He trusted God and he obeyed. But so did the eunuch. The Ethiopian trusted God and he obeyed. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. How do we know he obeyed? Look at verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Who told the eunuch to be baptized? Not Philip. He he wasn't saying that in response to a preacher or even a deacon in this case. He was a new convert. He was a Christ follower. But you know what the Bible teaches? Every Christ follower understands that delayed obedience is disobedience. If I'm a Christ follower and I have heard the commands of Jesus, then I have to recognize that no matter how good my intent If I'm not being obedient to those commands, I am being disobedient to those commands. So the Ethiopian wanted to be baptized. Here is water. Why not now? Can you imagine the look on Philip's face? He's like, I guess I should have been the one to recommend that, but okay. What's God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to reach? Why don't you just think about that first question for a minute before I close this in prayer. What is God calling you to do? What, is there anything God's already told you? He's already made it clear either in his word or through his small voice. Hey, this is something you need to do and yet you've not done it. So what could that be? It it could be a sin that you need to confess. God has burdened you with the need for repentance. There's something in your life that's dishonoring to him. And every time you're in worship, every time you hear songs about Jesus, you're convicted, but you've just not confessed this. And that's not uncommon, by the way, because we like our sin, because there's pleasure in sin for a season. So maybe it's that. Maybe it is sin, but it's also just a habit that needs to be broken. Our addiction, a hang-up in your life has just gripped you. It just needs to be handed over to, to God. 
Maybe it's a discipline that's missing from your life. You're, you're not in the word and God's told you, yeah, I need you to get daily in the word. I need you to spend time with me in prayer, but you've just not done it and you're living in disobedience. What is it that God's saying to you to do that you've not yet done? Maybe it's the example in this passage. Could it be? Why do we have that example? We all come here from different backgrounds, even different spiritual backgrounds. It probably wouldn't have surprised us if the passage would have just ended that the man began a relationship with Christ. Why did we have to throw that baptism thing in there? I want to suggest to you this simple reason. In Scripture... Believer's baptism, water baptism, is always the first step of obedience for a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when I haven't followed Christ in that first step of obedience, I'm missing out on his best, and I'm missing out on his blessing. Now, why is that so important? Why would it be the first step of obedience? Well, For one reason, because Jesus commanded us to do that, to repent and then be baptized. Why would he do that? Well, it's a symbolic testimony of of what we've experienced. I I can't think about baptism without thinking about this symbolic testimony. I, I can't take it off. I've had too many biscuits over the last 26 years. But this is a reminder to me and anyone that sees it, that I'm taken, that I'm married. If I took it off, it wouldn't mean I wasn't married. But for everybody that sees it, it lets us know that I am married. The Bible says in Romans 6 that baptism does the same thing for every Christ follower. When you are buried in that water, it's like you've been buried with Christ. When you come out of that water, it's like you've been raised to walk with new life in him. So maybe today, some of you need to instantly obey Christ and just say, I need to get this right in my life. And here's the good news. We're prepared for you. Well, we've got clothes for you to change into. We've got hair dryers. We've got everything you need at the close of this service if that's something that you want to get right with Jesus today. But let me just tell you something. There are two groups of people who do not need to be baptized. And the first group is this. Those that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, baptism is not something mystical or it's not something that's just a ritual that we go through. It's something that symbolically testifies to what we've already had and experienced inwardly. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. You don't need a symbol. You need to be saved. You don't need another ritual. You need a relationship with Christ. And so... I would desire, if you've never begun a relationship with Christ, that that would take place today. And then we would talk about that next step as soon as possible, a believer's baptism. But there's a second group of you who don't need to be baptized. And that's those of you who've already been baptized according to the commands of Jesus. See, baptism is never intended in scripture to be like a recommitment or an emotional experience or something you just do again and again because you feel like you backslid a little bit. Baptism takes place in a very specific setting in the New Testament. So let me explain that, and then I'm going to give somebody the opportunity to experience that today. 
Baptism always took place after salvation. And again, I understand we come from different backgrounds, even different faith journeys today. So for some of you, that's not the way baptism was taught to you. You may have been baptized as an infant, or you may have been baptized as a child because a parent or a grandparent or someone in your church said, you need to be baptized. And, and so you walk through the water in that way. But in scripture, baptism always took place after that repentance, after that beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there are some people here that may have been baptized, but it's not after your salvation experience. And so today, perhaps what you need to do is get your baptism on the right side of that salvation. You need to take that step to honor Christ and, and get rid of that disobedience in your life by taking that step of believer's baptism. The other thing that Jesus taught about baptism, this may surprise you, but it's by immersion. Can you believe that? Now, in the 1600s, when the English language began to translate scriptures, we got this English word baptism. And baptism can have a lot of different interpretations, but in the original language, there was no confusion. The word baptismo literally meant to immerse in water. And so every time we see baptism in the New Testament, it was people who had experienced that salvation relationship, and they were immersed in that water because only in immersion were you able to truly see that symbol of being buried with Christ in baptism. And being raised to walk with new life in him. Jesus taught that baptism took place after salvation. He taught that baptism took place by immersion. And then he taught that baptism took place immediately. That's what we see in the New Testament. Not only here with this Ethiopian. But later you would see Paul on his second missionary journey witnessing for Christ in Acts 16. It says he brought them out and they said, sirs, what must we do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And then they took them at the same hour of the night. They washed their wounds and they were baptized at once. Some of your translations say they were baptized immediately. So straightforward question, is there anybody here that needs to trust and obey in this particular way today? If so, get ready. I'm about to give you that opportunity. Before I do that, I want you to see what happens when we trust and obey. Look at verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And he went on his way rejoicing. The spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Two men both trusted and obeyed. One took God's elevator to who knows where. I kind of want to be that way. I want to just be an open book where I say, God, my yes is on the table. You take me wherever you want for your glory. But don't you love what happened with the eunuch? He went on his way rejoicing. We go back to the song we sang. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I believe that when you live in trust and obedience, it puts joy in your heart. In fact, I know it really couldn't be, but just imagine with me because I I think that it's, it's worth thinking 
that maybe the song that was on the heart and mind of that old Ethiopian was this. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning and his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. You see, when I live in trust and obedience, I walk in the victory of Jesus. What is God calling you to do? Where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to reach? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.